Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are wrapping up the Deutsche Gold Mess here in Frankfurt with our last interview of the weekend. The best for last, Bunker Hill Mining. They trade on the CSE with BNKR and on the OTCQB with BHLL. And with me is CEO Sam Ash. Sam, glad we could finally get this done. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Trevor. <laughs> uh, we tried to get this done on the site visit, what was that, a month or two ago? That was, I don't know. Anyway, uh, in the fall, uh, I was able to go, you know, take a visit of, of the Bunker Hill mine area and understand, better understand of where the story was, what's going on now under new management. Um, it's a big story, uh, a lot of moving parts, but it all seems to be coming into uh, fruition. So let's give a general sense of the history and what you and the team are doing to get this thing back up and running. Absolutely. So the Bunker Hill mine uh, was a was an absolutely iconic mine in U.S. mining history. Uh, operated from 100 for a hundred years from the late 1800s up until 1980. Uh, 165 million ounces of silver produced, five of a million tons of base metals uh, in with uh, from lead and zinc, and uh, and was really a uh, an absolutely phenomenal world class mineral endowment. And that's what really interested us. Um, but uh, in the in the the mine shut down in the uh, early 1980s due to environmental performance reasons, and it has been uh, being remediated under the guise of the Superfund. You know, from that point in 2017, there was a consent decree reach, settled all historic environmental liability, and that really set the stage for an opportunity for. Um, for redevelopment. Uh, in 2020, the, the current executive team joined the uh, Bunker Hill Mining Company, which was, at that point, was essentially a dormant company uh, with a lease and a, with an option to purchase the asset. And we uh, initiated, really started with uh, focusing on the, the technical side first, doing some, uh, you, you know, doing some drilling, making sure that we could um, verify and validate the you know, the historic mineralization. We were able to publish, uh, have been able to publish now uh, three resources, the most recent one, uh, which underpins the pre-feasibility that we just uh, published, has six million tons of uh, measured in, in the measured and indicated category. Uh, it's pre predominantly zinc in nature mm -hmm. um, of that mineralization, but still has significant upside potential from uh, silver and lead as well. Okay. Uh, there are, there's a number of moving parts here regarding uh, uh, the BLM, but also with the financing to get this thing back up and running. Not only, we haven't even talked about the construction, but it is, I, I think this was the part where I had to get clarification because it was, it, it, when you run through it, it's, it, there was a lot of moving parts here. And so I'm wondering if we can kind of break that down how much it's going to cost to get this thing back up and running and where's that money is going to come from? Absolutely. So the pre-feasibility uh, uh, has a $55 million uh, capex to get the mine restarted. And that's, you know, relatively modest con considering that we're starting a, and the pre-feasibility is calling for an 1,800 ton a day uh, differential flotation, making a, lead, a zinc concentrate and a, a silver and rich lead concentrate. And the reason for that is the amount of existing in place infrastructure and some of the uh, opportunities that we've been able to leverage, uh, one of which was the 
the purchase of the Ponderay Mill, which was uh, about 140 miles away from from the mine site, and and that really you know, provided a lot of clarity and certainty around the largest single capital component, uh, which is that processing facility. Mm-hmm. So and. Um, that uh, $55 million capex um, um, in December last year, we reached a financing agreement with Sprott Royalty and Streaming. And uh, the last component of that is a $37 million multi-metal stream. That's going to provide the, the, the bulk of the required financing. Um, and the, the remainder of that is going to be uh, a combination of uh, offtake financing and most likely a, a small equity component as well. Okay, uh, so Sprott comes back in, and actually, this is it was news that I missed yesterday because I was here. Uh, but there's a five million dollar facility, a credit facility with Sprott. How does this kind of play into that mix with the stream? Yeah, that's uh, you, you know that's essentially meant to uh, you know just help us continue to advance the project in, in the near term uh, while while we're, we're just. Uh, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and getting the, uh, the stream across the finish line. Okay. Uh, this thing's gone quick, uh, and, but you and the team uh, communicated that you know you knew it was going to happen quickly. That was the goal, and that's the strategy of Bunker Hill. Uh, give us a sense where you are with, um, there's destruction going on on site, but also new construction where you're going to be putting uh, the processing. What's the update there? Yeah, so the the update is that we're we're absolutely on track for with our uh, project timeline, looking to uh, be in a position where we're commissioning and um, and uh, moving towards commercial production by Q4 of next year. Um, on site right now, you know we have a development ongoing in, in the underground. Uh, we're doing the required demolition uh, on site to make room for where the new processing facility is going to go. The processing facility has uh, been fully uh, demobilized and relocated to our uh, site in Kellogg, Idaho, and it is there um, stored away safely for winter and ready to be uh, start being constructed uh, in the spring. Okay. Um, everybody wants to know where the upside is, right? And describe to us exploration to where you can add to that resource. Cause this is really important to understand. I mean, we obviously know where the metal is now, but where is it going to come from later? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a, you know, there's a couple of different areas and, um, obviously the pre-feasibility is based on the measured and indicated material. Uh, but keep in mind, there is also, uh, 7 million tons of inferred material. And uh, you know, certainly, an early focus is going to be resource conversion, looking to do uh, uh, and gather just the additional information and do the confirmatory work to upgrade that mineralization. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, you know, there's certainly uh, exploration potential as we get deeper in the mine uh, that is more silver in nature. And then uh, also keeping in mind that you know the historic mine footprint is a relatively small fraction of our total claim package, mm-hmm. and we've done some you know preliminary uh, geophysical um, studies and and run some geophysics line that have uh, you know that have certainly returned some interesting results. Uh, very early stage at this point, but um, but certainly you know something that we'll be looking to follow up on. In general, the strategy is uh, to get the mine into operation, generating free cash flow. And then use that free cash flow to uh, to fund the fund exploration and the unlocking of additional value. 
with the PFS, and, and I wanted to kind of rehash a couple of discussions you and I had when I was on the site, and uh, kudos for you to taking the questions because there's things that you're doing that it, it, it like typically doesn't happen in that same pecking order that a lot of other companies have to go through. And I want to talk about really centering this on the PFS here and not taking it to full feasibility study. That was one of the questions I had uh, for you. I mean, there is risk there, but why do you feel these risks are being mitigated by not going to full fees? Well, when, when I think of, uh, when, when I think of uh, the, the risk uh, of project advancement, you know, there it's, there, there's a couple of things. One, you know, when I think about risk in, in mining projects, I think about uh, kind of in order um, resource risk, um, um, uh, execution risk, and, um, and, and, and really when you think about it from that perspective, you know, the, you, there's a long track record and a lot of historical data that we have to, uh, to work with. And, um, and when you look at that and then you look at the confirmatory work that we've done, you know, we, we feel that uh, you, we've got a good handle on that resource risk. Okay. Um, and, and then when you look at the, um, when you look at the execution risk, you know, I think that uh, really our, our performance to, to date uh, really demonstrates that, uh, you know, that we're able to execute and we're able to, you know, hit those milestones and then t those timelines that we need to move towards production. And the last risk that I would say is, uh, is you know, from a permeating regulatory perspective. And, and Bunker Hill is uh, pretty unique in, in that respect, is that uh, particularly in the Western United States, um, you know, the re one of the key reasons that we're able to advance as quickly as we are is because we fall outside of the federal NEPA permitting process. You know, it's a, it's a uh, mining project that's comprised entirely of permit patented mining claims. It's mm -hmm. uh, entirely on private land. And, uh, and it's a restart, uh, w which means that we fall under the uh, regulatory authority of the state of Idaho, which is still very robust. Uh, but at the same time, has timelines that um, you know that that mean that we can advance the project um, as fast as we can advance the project from a technical uh, perspective. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the uh, permitting is not the critical path. There's still permitting activity, but it is it is not the critical path uh, for this project, which really sets it apart from a lot of projects in the Western United States. I mean, you've been telling this story over and over, you know, every single moving part. I, is it challenging for new people to understand the story? Um, well, it's my job to kind of simplify that story right. and make it very, very clear. Right. Which, you know, and, and if you boil it down into, you know, its, um, you know, its basic elements, it's a phenomenal mineral endowment. Uh, it it uh, is, has a long track record. Uh, and with a lot of uh, with a lot of historic information associated with it, there's a, a lot of existing in place infrastructure. Um, it, it has a really a very clear and well understood um, regulatory uh, framework around it, mm -hmm. um, and uh, there and it is a comparatively speaking, uh, you know, a relatively uh, simple. Um, um, process to get the project moving forward. There's, yeah. you weren't, we, it's not a project where we have to employ um, 
new technologies you know it's no new it's, mining method no it's a it it's really pretty simple from that perspective yeah. uh, very conventional differential flotation making a zinc concentrate and a silver enriched lead concentrate i remember um you know we were having a conversation open conversation that day and um i, I I mentioned something, and maybe you've you've thought about it in, in a little bit more. But I mentioned like Bunker Hill is a very very interesting project and proposition for resource speculators. I mean, everything seems to be right there. But at the time, I also felt there's an optics problem here because we've seen these polymetallic projects go through development, get on the cuffs of production, and ultimately fail and lose their value. And it's happened rather quickly. Um, you know, I wondered, have you given that a little bit more, a little bit more thought about the optics of this type of project and the failures of recent past with, I know it's not comparing apples to apples, but people can look back and be like, oh, remember that last silver lead zinc project that went bust? I mean, is that a challenge for you? And is there a little bit of a hangover among the resource speculators? I think potentially so. You know, I mean, this is a project that uh, there's no doubt it was distressed. Uh, it was distressed from a regulatory standpoint. Um, it, it was distressed from a, an ownership standpoint. It was distressed from, you know, the uh, uh, the attempts of uh, previous management teams. And I think that uh, you know, really, you know, our focus has been on you know being very uh, transparent with where where we saw value, understand where that value is. And um, and focus on uh, delivering uh, progress and outcomes. And mm -hmm. and I think if we if um, any objective observer kind of looks back over uh, the the trajectory that we've been on since the the start of April in 2020, you know you know there's a there's a track record of uh, you know delivering milestones and advancing the project. Yeah. Things are moving fast. What's uh, what's going to be the late next news here in the coming weeks or months out of Bunker Hill? Well, we're continuing to uh, you know advance on those uh, execution milestones. You know, so mm -hmm. you're going to see us continue to do monthly updates on on our progress with the uh, with the with the, the development with the uh, preparation for construction, doing the demolition activities, and uh, you know we still have an eye towards you know the uh, you know get it achieving that full project funding yeah should be coming soon ideally yeah we're <laughs> we're, we're certainly uh we're certainly moving that direction in in um, as quickly as we can well you've got this new credit facility so obviously that helps and provides some padding what's the cash in the bank like right now um it, i just refer everyone to our you know most recent filings um you know and um at the end of the quarter and you know sufficient to say that you know we're comfortable with you know our, our liquidity uh, position and and we're and we're uh, we're carrying on at site with the uh, with the activities that we have going on so. okay all right all right sam sam ash that's ceo from bunker hill they trade on the cse with bnkr and on the OTCQB with BHLL. Sam, thanks for your time. Good to see you. Thank you, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.